about the last couple of weeks here, just about having the one day experiences and realizing there's people all around us who, uh, who don't know the Lord. Uh, especially at this time of the year, there's a lot of um, unjoy, you know, to the world that, uh, that, that, that he's filled you with uh, his spirit, filled you with the answer to, the, to every problem the world has. The answer is in Jesus. It really is. And it's, um, we talked last week about, about how, um, uh, well, maybe I should just, yeah, we're good to go. We talked last week about shepherds. We've been talking about some of the Christmas carols, uh, about, you know, the, the, the shepherds and their response to meeting Jesus. And we realized that there's not really that many cool Christmas carols about shepherds. We never sing songs about shepherds at, uh, for the Christmas carols. And some of them it's because we realize the lyrics are just so awful. So we just, we just don't, we don't really sing them. But um, the shepherds had such a really, uh, such a great response. It all started with those guys. An angel told them, hey, go see Jesus. And when they saw Jesus for themselves, they went everywhere in the middle of the night telling everyone about who they had just met, about how Jesus was changing their lives. They knew their future was changed as a result of it. And so then they went back to their regular job, but they went back with a different, uh, different mentality. They went back glorifying God. They went back doing something they weren't doing before. And then we talked about how there was guys in the, in the New Testament who they met Jesus and, and it changed their life. There was guys like um, Andrew who went all of a sudden and went looking for his brother Peter. Ron, I love that. The fact that you went looking for your brother after 30 years and had the chance to lead him to Christ is incredible. Incredible. And that's, that's, what, that's what real followers of Jesus do. They go and they realize, I've got, there's an importance, there's a, a, a responsibility on my life to go and share what I have. Jesus said, you know, freely you've received it. Freely give this to other people. There's a responsibility for us. Then we looked at Philip and his, uh, after Philip met Jesus, he went and found Nathanael and brought Nathanael to Jesus. There was this sense of, man, there's this, this one day of meeting Jesus that changes my whole life. I, I want that for someone else. And we talked before about how it can be in your everyday. It's not like it has to be this special, specific time. It's just being aware in your everyday that there's people around you who need Christ. They need to have that one-day experience with Him and changes the rest of their life. And we thought, man, that's a lot of pressure, you know? The pressure's all on, uh, you know, Ramona. The pressure's all on uh, uh, whoever, you know, Mandy, Terry. The pressure's all on you to get it done, you know, to get your friend saved. And we realized that's, that's kind of an undue pressure. Because, you know, God works in a process. And we looked at the four friends who brought their friend to Jesus on a mat. And they busted through a roof to get their friend to Jesus. Well, there was four friends. It wasn't just one. Remember we had last week uh, Dominic being carried? Or was it Dom? Somebody. Oh, yeah, that's right. Carried around on a chair. Um, just showing that, that maybe there's a part that you're going to play. Maybe you're going to invite somebody to church and that's going to be your part and someone else is going to lead them to Christ. Maybe your part is just going to be telling them, you know, that you're a believer and, and asking to pray with them if they're going through a tough time. There may be different parts and along the way, we learn that, that some water, some plant, but God's the one who brings the increase in the end. And I want to encourage you not to miss your part. Just to be brave, to be courageous. And that's what we said. We prayed about having a name that's uh, saying, I want to be intentional. A lot of us have really good intentions, we're like, hey, I, you know, I, yeah, I think that's a good idea to, you know, invite people to church. I think it's a good idea to uh, tell them about Jesus, but it's not intentional. It's not like we're on purpose saying, you know what? Yeah, God, who are you working on? Who are you leading me to? I want to have that. And as we prayed that last week, we realized that, you know, God talks to Lorraine while she's smoking in the garage, you know, uh, that, that it wasn't right here in the four walls of the building, in the, in the holy room, the sanctuary of, you know, it wasn't here. 
This is just an auditorium. You know, if it, was a, if it wasn't against the law, we could all smoke in here and, you know, God could talk to us here, right? Like that's, that's the... That's what I'm saying. A lot of times we think God's going to talk to you in... Sorry, you said it. I'm just saying. That we think God's going to talk to us in a certain way, in a certain place. You know, if I went on a missions trip, then God could talk to me. He's wanting to talk to you wherever you are. And it's just so neat that when she was in that spot, God dropped that that name uh, and, and that person in her heart. We had a young girl this week. She sent me a text. She just said, I prayed for a witnessing opportunity at work today, and I was pretty sure God wasn't going to answer my prayer. And yet, I'm thinking, well, that's cool. You know, what faith? Amazing faith, you know? (laughs) I'm going to pray. I know God ain't going to do nothing. Thank goodness, you know? I'm not going to have to. And she said, she texted me, but I got to share my whole story, my, my faith with an agnostic at my job. And I was like, yeah, sweet, you know? But that, that simple prayer, because this, this is the thing. We've talked about God is on a mission to reach this planet. He loves people. He loves the people sitting around you. He loves the people who are not here. He loves the people who have never been to church, never experienced Christ. He loves them, incredibly loves them, loves them enough to send his son to uh, be born in in a stinky stable and, and die on a cross to show that I'm good with this. I am behind this. I'm gonna spend everything that I have to reach people. And yet it wasn't just his mission, it was a commission. It was a co-mission. He does it through other people. And, you know, I think there's such a shortage of people who say, hey, God, would you move through my life? That when somebody even asks, like, a minor little prayer, like, hey, God, you know, maybe, you know, if it could happen, he's like, yeah, I'm on that, you know. I want to reach that person at your job and, and just automatically begins to, to work through that. So I want to I wanna encourage you that. We had some people that are inviting their friends on Facebook, just saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to be brave and bold. Let the world know that, that this this whole thing about Christmas and Jesus, it matters, and it can totally affect your life. And I want to encourage you with that this morning to, to hold on to that. James chapter 1, it talks about being a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. Be a doer. Be someone who says, hey, you know what, I, I heard it, it challenged me, and now I'm going to go do something with it. Uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty cool. We often think that Christmas gifts is what's going to bring joy and uh, bring that excitement you know, to, the, to, to our lives and maybe to others' lives. Maybe if you're the giver, you like think, hey, if I give that gift, that person's going to really enjoy it and that's going to be, the, you know, it's going to make me feel good. That's why I do stuff at, around Christmas. Or maybe you're on the other side where you're like, yeah, I'm just hoping and wishing for, you know, this year that I'm going to get exactly what I, you know, what I wanted. And you think that the joy and excitement comes from there. But I want to encourage you at this season that there are greater gifts to give. There are greater gifts to give. And you say, well, yeah, you know, I've probably heard this before, you know, on other Christmas times. You know, I've heard about, yeah, the Advent season, you know, love, joy, peace, and hope. Those are your gifts to give. In the Great Commission, it's joining with Christ and reaching the world. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I don't have a lot to share this morning, but it's good stuff. It's stuff from here. So 2 Corinthians chapter uh, Chapter 3. We don't have it up on the screen. Oh, what? How do we have it on the screen? Oh, she's amazing. All right. 2 Corinthians. We didn't have it on the screen last night. I mean, we upgraded this morning. It's good. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse um, 2. It says this. The only letter of recommendation that we need is yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it. Look at that for a minute. Everyone can read this letter and recognize that our good work among you Clearly, you are a letter from Christ. Who? You. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ. Um, Showing the result of our ministry among you. And this letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It's carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. 
And Paul was talking to the Corinthian church and just saying, hey, you know what? You guys, your lives are speaking something to the world around you. Whether you know it or not, people are reading your life to see, you know, what's their marriages look like? What does their lives look like? How are they, how are they at work? Uh, and, you know, sometimes they tell me, but uh, they say, yeah, I know so-and-so from church, but at work, you know, <laughs> they're a whole totally different person. Why? Because they're reading your life. They're reading the things that are clearly written. And, and we know that what's written on your heart comes out. It just comes out through your mouth. It comes out through your actions. It comes out through your responses and your reactions. You got bitterness, anger in your heart. All it takes is your husband or wife to say one wrong thing and it's coming out. You know, that, that, that's a good indicator of what's really, sorry, no, he didn't tell me. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a good indicator of what's going on on the inside in your heart. And, and that's what he's saying, that there's that, that the Corinthian church was a letter saying, hey, this is how great God is because we can see it in your life. I don't even need to write anything down. You get, people can see it. They were living it out. And it really brought me to the thought of, we sing a lot of Christmas carols and we sang one this morning and there's Christmas carols all over the radio. And I wanted to maybe encourage you this morning with this thought, to be a living Christmas carol. To be a living Christmas carol. Sometimes we sing these songs, we've sung them so many times, but, but my, my challenge for you is to, to live them. And think, how, how does that work? Well, think about a few of them. Think about the song, Joy to the World. Joy to the World, uh, we sang this morning. Joy to the World, uh, uh, oops, there's some other lyrics to it. Uh, the Lord has come. Let earth receive. You guys do know it, good, better than me. Joy, um, but we... we we, we think about this song, we think about joy to the world, and yet we've talked before about how there's so much of a, a, a lack of joy in this season. Suicide is at the highest in December. You know, depression is at the highest in our culture in December. There's uh, unhappiness. Family relationships, you start he- feeling it more in December. If, there's, if, there, if you've been at odds with your family members for a whole year, those 11 months don't ever compare to the fact that you're not with them at Christmas, and that, that, that hurts so much more at that time. Why? There's not a lot of this joy going on uh, in people's lives. And yet, this, sending Christ this whole celebration of Christmas, says that it, he was to bring joy to the world. Well, you can have joy and happiness. They're, they're not the same thing. A lot of times we think, oh, it's happiness, you know, if I'm feeling happy. But happiness is just a, is a result of happenings in your life. Something good happens, you're happy. Something bad happens, you're not so happy. This week, uh, we went to Great Wolf Lodge, and that was a pretty happy time. You know, and I would encourage you to do the same things. If there's things that you know that make you happy, those happenings, do those happenings with your family. Spend those time doing it. Went to Great Wolf Lodge, and it, it, it makes you happy just watching your kids have an awesome time, you know, and they're taking home tickets and tokens and, and trinkets from the arcade, and they're, you know, they're taking home stuff from the store, and they're taking home the flu from their cousins, and it's like the, you go from like happy, happy, happy to like, whoa, it, it can change just like that. I thought I was going to coast on Great Wolf Lodge for the rest of the year, and within, you know, we come home to realize that I have to do a few for a 15-year-old boy who was killed by a drunk driver this week. Man, that can take happiness out of your life right away, real quick. So he wasn't saying that the song is happiness to the world, but the thing is that he was saying it is joy to the world. And, and realizing that that joy to the world is a Christmas carol that we can live. We can live. True joy talks about being a strength on the inside an inner strength that pushes back against the, you know, the crushing part of depression in your life. 
It's that joy. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various struggles, knowing that it's testing your patience, it's testing your endurance, but you're going to overcome and succeed. It's what James talks about and says that the, the good news message of Christmas is that joy to the world, strength to the world. How does that happen? It happens through you. It happens through you realizing, I'm going to go into my world carrying something else with me. You know, a lot of times people think when they see and meet church people, they think this, the, 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 the carol is rules to the world because that's what we show. You know, you got to follow these rules. You know, you, gotta, you, you can't come to church unless you got this, this, and this all together. But he never said, get good, and then you can get God. He said, get God first. He said, I knew you couldn't get good. That's why I sent Jesus in the first place, to bring joy to the world. He didn't come to bring rules. He came to bring life that inner strength on the inside. Hebrews talks about it too. It says, don't throw away, don't cast away your confidence of that joy because it's what's going to carry you through. And it really talks about that whole thing of don't, don't kind of like throw it aside like a piece of garbage, you know, or an old cat. You know, don't throw that thing to the side. It's talking about having, holding on to it, grabbing on to joy and saying, you know what, I need this. A few years back, I decided that uh, on a missions trip, uh, I actually know I, we had been on a mission trip to a place. My parents stayed there, so I decided to go back and visit them. And while we were there, it was a really nice place in the islands, and I thought, you know, I'm going to get my scuba license. I think that would be kind of cool to have, you know. And so we went scuba diving, and I got all my certification and everything else. Didn't realize it was going to make my life insurance way more expensive, and I'd have to give it up later. But, but scuba diving is just a really, really cool thing. You go down, and the deeper you go, the more weird fish and things you see and the colors. It's, it's just amazing. There's one thing about scuba diving is as you're, as you're scuba diving, you can't go down there without scuba equipment. You, you can try. You just, it's not very fun. But uh, you, you need the tank on your back. What are you taking down with you? You take your atmosphere from here down under the water with you. And I believe that's exact picture of what God wants to do in your life, that you take his atmosphere, you take joy, you take that, that inner joy, that strength that he puts in your life, and you take that to a world that's dark. You take it to a world that is the deeper you go, the crazier things get, that, that, that there's people who are all around. You know, walking into a, this, this situation this week, I was terrified. To be honest, I shared with my in-laws uh, before I met this family that I was terrified to walk into a situation of a family I don't know who lost uh, their, their youngest child to a tragic accident that didn't have to happen and have to go in there and, and, and offer some sort of hope. And, and you feel like, you know, knowing the family's not believers, it's really, really difficult. And you're like, man, what do I do? And as you just began to pray, and uh, you know, like Josh said, I began to pray in, in tongues and just even because I didn't know what words to even say. And yet, as it went in there, you just bring a sense of strength to a situation that has none. And I started realizing, wow, I just watched God just working through my life. There was nothing, no credit to me. I was terrified. It had nothing to do with that. And yet, the message is, I want to bring joy to their world. I want to bring joy in their greatest tragedies. I want to bring strength and hope. That's why you're there, Mark. That's why they called you off vacation to go there. That's why the person who knew this family knew you. And once we were there, I could just see God in action all the way through. This, you'll probably see them here in the next few weeks and get to meet this amazing family. But what was it? The strength, the joy to the world of him being able to do that. Would you live that Christmas, Carol? Sometimes we think joy to the world is a fun thing to sing about, but you are the answer. You got joy to bring to a world around you. Oh, Holy Night's another one. What a great Christmas carol. It's one of my favorite ones to listen to. It's really hard to sing. You know that Celine Dion is like just amazing uh, with that, but I, I'm not so much. Um, but there's a line in there. There's a line in there that just says, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. The thrill of hope. 
we, you know, we look, at our, we look at that song, and I think a lot of times we can look at weary world seems a whole lot more realistic than the thrill of hope at this season. And this time, we look around, there's, there's a lot of hopeless situations. We see people who feel like they're in a hopeless marriage, wanting to end it. Hopeless relationships, meaning they got no, they don't have this thought. Hopeless, hopeless situations, maybe in, in hospitals and wherever else. You know, hopeless people uh, just having no, no sense of where do I go from here. That's why suicide is the highest rate that it is. You know, sometimes we think hope is just like this weak, you know, last resort kind of thing. When you try to do everything else, you prayed, you did everything you knew to do, then you have hope at the end that maybe, just hoping against hope, they say. You know, maybe this minor possibility that something might happen, that hope is this kind of the end thing. And a lot of times it ends in disappointment because it's the wrong kind of hope. And many Christians, maybe you're here this morning, you got that wrong kind of hope that it's like when, when I was a kid, you know, I, I was hoping that my parents would one day give me a horse. I don't know why, but I just really wanted a horse. And we, we had a barn, it had sheep in it, and it could easily hit, handle a horse. But we also had this real little tiny playhouse. And we, as my brother and I, decided that, you know, it would be a good idea to turn the playhouse into a horse stable so that we would be able to get a horse. And we spent days taking apart our uh, playhouse my dad built and putting up, you know, gates in the doors and putting straw bales everywhere in this, in this playhouse, the bunk beds, uh, you know, because in case the horse wanted to have friends over. We had, like, we had this thing set up. And, and yet, Dad never brought a horse home from work for us. And, and this thing of always seeing the, you know, the, the little stable out there and realizing you know, there's, there's no horse, it, it's just this hope that ends a disappointment. Well, had we just known and realized Dad was never going to give us a horse because Dad never said, he actually said, you're not getting a horse. I mean, we, we probably should have known that, that what Dad says is true. We're not getting a horse. And yet, it's this hope that disappoints. But so many people have gone through situations where they hoped for something and it didn't happen. It's like this expectation of something that, that they wanted so bad and it didn't happen. And then they get into these spots where they're like, oh God, you know, I, I hope that I'll be able to pay my bills. Or oh God, like, I hope that you'll be able to take care of me. Or I hope that my kids are going to grow up to serve you. Or I hope that I'm not going to go through depression again this year. And you just kind of have this, it's just this kind of wish but the Bible talks about something else. It talks about hope that's completely different. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that when hope is deferred, in Proverbs 13, hope deferred. When there's no hope, it makes a heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. You know, we talk about Christmas being the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope, it's bringing something. You know, it's, we say when hopelessness sets in, that's a bad place and tough place to be. There's a woman named Claire Booth Luce. I, uh, I found her uh, quote a couple of years ago, and it says this, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. Think about that for a second, but let me tell you who she is. She was an Ill illegitimate child who grew up to become a call girl, eventually got married but got divorced. She lost her only daughter in a car accident, but she became an author and told her story. You think of all of those things where hopelessness could set in at any time. She's the one who said there are no hopeless situations. None. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. And you know, there's people around us everywhere that, that are not in hopeless situations, but they've given up hope. And what is the message of Christmas? What's the living Christmas carol is that you get to bring the thrill of hope? What does the Bible say hope is? It's hope that's a confident expectation based on solid certainty confident expectation based on something solid. And you know what? There isn't anything more solid than this. Than this. 
Hope and faith work together. Hope's not this weak thing. Hope is like the blueprint that says, I see the picture of what it's going to be, and faith is like the materials that build it. Hope is saying, you know what? I can see and I can believe that what dad said is true. Dad said, I'm not getting a horse. That was true. But my dad says other things in here that are also true. When my dad, he talks uh, to Abraham and says to Abraham, you're going to have a son. And Abraham looks at his, himself and is like, sheesh, I'm a hundred years old, you know? And I'm going to have a son. He looks at his wife and like, wow, she's, uh, she's like 90. You know, this, I can barely even get over there, you know? And, and yet I'm going to have a son. It doesn't even matter. There's no kids here. It doesn't even matter what... Uh, it doesn't matter what he thinks or what he says because he says, but God says. But God said you're going to have a son. You know, I, I don't have any children, but I'm going to be the father of, of many nations. Yeah, because that's what God said. And you know what? There's something in our lives where you're going to hear things being said at your Christmas parties everywhere. And God is saying you can bring a but God says into their situation. You can't if you don't know what he says. But when you do... When you do, when you realize somebody starts talking about the rough time they're going through, you know what? God says he loves you. God says that he sent his son to give you hope. You might look at the situation right now and think your marriage is on the rocks and it's over, but there's hope. You might think that you're at the end of your rope and you can't see any purpose or reason to live, but there's hope. There's a God who's got a purpose for your life. He absolutely loves you. You at least got one, and I'm the other one. So tell me you're not going to end your life. Tell me you're not going to go, you know, take these steps. You could save lives literally. I've seen it happen. He wants to do that through you. Bring the thrill of hope to the world around you. It says men can live about 40 days without food. They can live about three days without water. They can live about eight minutes without air. They can live one second, only one second, without hope. I believe that in this season... It's time to prepare ourselves for who we're about to meet. When we talk about that one-day experience, it wasn't just that we had a cool message that I could, you know, say, hey, this is what we heard ourselves speak. I believe that you, in your everyday, are going to be surrounded by people who, through you, are going to experience one day where they meet Christ. One day where they experience a thrill of hope. One day where they experience joy to, the, to their world. And the last one I want to share with you is this one, the three kings. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We travel so far. You know, we don't sing that one very often either, unless we're making fun of it, you know? The ones, uh, as kids, smoke the rubber cigar. Um, it exploded. It was loaded, whatever. But uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it talks about the men that this song was written about. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem village in Judah's territory, this was during Herod's kingship. A band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east, and they asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth, and we're on a pilgrimage to worship him. What were they on their way to do? They were saying, we're looking for this king. We're looking for this baby. We want to worship him. It says, then the star appeared again. Verse 9, it says, the same star they had seen in the eastern skies. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child, and they could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary's mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshipped him. Then they opened their luggage and presented gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, it talks about these men. It wasn't three. They have no idea how many there were. But there was a bunch. 
at least enough to carry three separate gifts, but probably more. And they were intelligent men. They were dignified people. They had studied their lives to go and, and be smart and be important people. And it says they went on like the greatest hide-and-seek mission ever. You know, they're out there, uh, so they're their version of amazing race. You know, they're going to find this thing. The star is in the, the way, and they're going for it. You know, like who's going to be the first one there uh, to, to, to meet this new king? And, they, and, and obviously, they get, they get somewhere along the way where they don't see the star anymore. So they start asking around in this place, saying, hey, where's this new king that was born? And Herod's like, what new king? You know, this, is, this ain't going to happen. You know, there's no new king. And all of a sudden, the star appears again. They're like, oh, there it is. Let's go. And they hop on their camels, and they, they ride off there. But it says, you know what? They finally find it. Him. They finally find Jesus and it says they found him in a house. So he had moved on from the stable or wherever he was born. He's now in a house and, and some of the, the experts say it probably took them two years to get there. Two years of seeking, saying, I'm going, I'm, I want to find this, this person. I want to find this, this king that's going to change the whole world. I want to find him. And when they find him, dignified people do some pretty un, undignified stuff. It says these men you know, compare them to, let's say, our, our parliament members. You know, these guys who've, who've spent their lives trying to become famous. They get to this place that says they do something pretty undignified. They get down on their knees in the kitchen. They, they bow down with their faces to the ground in front of a two-year-old child or less to worship him. You think, you know what? Some of us, maybe if we were there, be like, whoa, wait a second, what are you guys doing? This is just Jesus, man. Like, you know, he's my friend, and, and you know, he, he, loves, he loves everyone. You don't have to do this. It's like way over and above. Like, what, what are you doing? And I love the fact that there's part of us that has that where our response to Christ is that he is a friend. He, that sticks closer than a brother. There's a part of it that says there's a relationship with him that is, that is brother to brother. But there's a part of him that I sometimes think we miss out on is the fact that he's God. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is completely holy. He's surrounded in heaven by angels screaming at the top of their lungs, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They've been doing that since eternity and time began. And yet every time that God turns a little bit and they see another facet of God, another part of him, they can't help but throw themselves down and worship him. That's what's going on in heaven 24-7. Because of who he is, thunder, lightning, smoke, stuff is flashing around his throne because of how amazing he is. How amazing he is. The kings got it when they realized, whoa, we are in the presence of greatness. To get down on their knees and worship. Sometimes we get to the place where we forget that's who he is. And yet the song says it's Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. When you go out into your world, to your everyday, the truth of this Christmas carol is that God is with you. So when it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Start, start thinking that thought. Stop thinking about the who and the what is all against you. And this, is so, this is so big, you don't understand my situations. This is all so terrible, this is all so rough. But God says... If God is for you, if God is with you, you've got a majority. To begin to say, whoa, you know what? You know what? I'm bringing God into this situation on purpose. What does he say? What does he believe? God, you know, I'm at my wit's end. I got no strength left in me. That's all right, because in your weakness, I'm strong. Okay, God, I give you that. God, I got, 
this, this season is getting to me. You know what? Well, I'm the joy that can carry you through. I can be your strength. Holy Spirit, would you come fill me? And what happens? Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control begin to just grow in your life. They become fruit of the Spirit in your life that other people can pick and realize, man, how good God is. My challenge to you, Kingsway, is to let these Christmas carols be more than that, that they would be living Christmas carols through your lives. You say, I know what, I don't want to have just good intentions of, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I think it's a good idea that we reach out to our world. It's just more than a good idea. He, He paid way too much just for it to be a good idea. It's the intent to say, yeah, God, I'm with you. I'm getting on the commission with you. Would you fill me with your spirit? Let me go out and pray for people and and watch your power in their lives. Maybe they're not going to drop to the ground, but maybe, you know, the weight that they've been carrying will. Maybe, you know, maybe it's, you say they're not going to be healed instantly of a physical ailment, but maybe the hurts in their heart will. Would you go be living Christmas carols this year? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just your word thank you above all for this season and what this means that every day we can celebrate the fact that you came for us Jesus that you came uh, in the only way that we could be rescued you came and lived your life perfectly for us so that we could uh, trade the lives that we've messed up for a whole new chance God thank you thank you thank you for giving us real genuine life thank you for your hope Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your love. I pray, Father, this morning that by your spirit, you would fill your kids with that first. I pray that in this whole place, there's people going, they're missing out on that. God, you would flood their lives with that today. That they'd be able to take that to their world and sing the songs that have been penned by, by artists, but I believe just anointed by you. Words spoken by you. Joy to this world. Joy to their world. Hope to their world peace and love to their world, to their friends, to their family. God, thank you so much for Ron's brother and, and, and uh, him experiencing salvation. I pray that that story would, just, would become a commonplace over this Christmas season for others as they step out in boldness, emboldened by your spirit to make a difference and be a light that shines bright this season. God, we know the darkness is strong, but you are stronger. You are stronger in them. God, I thank you for it this morning pray your blessing on them as they head out from this place to go and be a difference and make a difference in their world. I love you, God, for who you are. Uh, I pray that our eyes would be open to see more of that through this time and to remember why it is that you came. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.